0: They're coming to get you, Barbara. You're still afraid. Stop it!
1: You're ignorant!
0: Hello, and welcome to Night of the Living Academic. I'm Caitlin, and I welcome all horror films into my heart with open arms, even the misfit ones.
1: This is your co-host, Matt, and I have a thing called standards.
0: And today we're going to be talking about the 1997 film *Event Horizon*, um, and we're also going to be talking a little bit about probably t-
1: probably more than we need to, but it's a lot of fun <laughs> uh,
0: about *Q*B, QB Halloween, Halloween, the 2020 feature on Netflix. Um, But first, we also have a special guest this episode who will be joining us to discuss both of these films.
1: Yeah, and we're going to start with Hubie Halloween because it is technically going to fill in our horror news section. But, you know, since it is a movie, it might take up a decent amount of time, (laughs) Uh, especially because it's uh, a a whole bunch of issues surrounding it. Well, not yeah. issues, but like some well, context that we have.
0: Honestly. We're passionate about about uh, Happy Madison Productions. Right. Um, so yeah, our guest is Sarah Santos, who is a sci-fi extraordinaire. <laughs> dare I say? Uh, and a- sure. Yeah. <laughs> as well as a fellow uh, PhD candidate.
1: Right, so yeah, I'm uh I'm outnumbered here. I got two smart smart ones who might be talking academic, and here I am just rooting for Adam Sandler. Oh, <laughs> Adam goodness. Sandler jokes.
2: I mean, I don't know that I I can be called smart per se. I definitely have a lot of feelings about, uh, especially Event Horizon, um, and maybe not all of them are gonna sound smart, but I'm gonna do my best to represent. My cohort of academics <laughs> to study science fiction.
1: Excellent, awesome. excellent, and, and yeah, I you mean, know what? Having strong feelings is more important. Yeah, than being smart about them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I Sarah mean, yeah. and I,
0: Sarah and I, are also currently in a Twilight book club, so we, we've got that going for us yeah. in terms of smarts and classy, uh, classy literature.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Not a day goes by that we don't share some sort of ridiculous meme. And I would say that some days that's the most intellectual that I get. It's <laughs> it's reading the baseball scene in Twilight.
1: <laughs> go. Very good. Well, before we talk about uh, Hubie Halloween, mm-hmm. so I just want to mention, based on mm, some feedback you've given us, it almost seems like you might be a little bit more aligned with my opinions about movies than Caitlin.
2: <laughs> oh, I mean, well, yeah, I am. I do, I do appreciate good movies. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say that I, I definitely, I, I, enjoy your your back and forth and uh, Caitlin's uh, hardcore. Um, defense of some uh, some movies that really have no no job being defended, I think. <laughs> but okay. yeah, no, I I definitely like um, author films, and uh, I th- I think I like I think my my interests are like a mix of the the bad stuff and the good stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. I actually balance out the conversation. Hopefully,
1: <laughs> okay, great. So you can be right down the road here. Uh, mm-hmm. and helping to i guess if we have differing opinions caitlin and i you can be the referee of that yeah we'll so, see. little
2: bit. i'm we'll the see. tiebreaker yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay so um uh, first let's go ahead and dive into hubie mm-hmm. halloween um i don't think we need to do this uh, you know what? I'll, I'll go ahead and do a quick summary. Sure. Since I'm not sure if anybody else prepared it. I did not. Basically, it is a Happy Madison movie. So we've got all the uh, similar cast of characters. Most predominantly, Adam Sandler is actually helming this one. Uh, he plays Hubie Dubois. <laughs> and he is a resident of Salem. A man-child, of course. Uh, this one actually way more man child than, like, for serious man-child. Yep. Than other movies. Um I think this one he might actually be closest to actually having some, I guess, mental deficiencies and in, yep, in yep. other films of his. Yeah. Uh, but basically, his big thing is very good-hearted, good-spirited nature, good-natured guy. But he is a scaredy cat, and on Halloween, he takes the role of being kind of, I don't know, the town safety monitor. Um, <laughs> some pretty intense bullying. Uh. Mm-hmm. Not since the likes we've seen of grown-ups bullying Rob Schneider. Oh, you know what? I forget that uh, that's not this podcast. No, covered, that was but. like,
0: we, we took a dip, just so everyone knows. We yeah. took a dip. We tried out um, a Happy Madison podcast. It yeah, didn't really take off. We did have a lot of opinions. But yeah, and grown-ups one, was it, or yeah. two?
1: one, the first one.
0: The first one, I've never cared so much about Rob Schneider because of how hard they bully him in that movie, it made me so sad for him. <laughs> and so, yeah, I don't think I've ever been that sympathetic right. towards Rob Schneider. But they found a way. Like, I wanted to stand up against Adam Sandler to defend Rob Schneider.
1: Well, Adam yeah. Sandler gets pretty... QB yeah. gets Hubie. abused pretty badly in this movie, too. Uh, not, not in just, like, the emotional abuse. But there's some pretty hardcore physical abuse going on. <laughs> but anyways... Um, so some scenarios happen where you know something's afoot in during Halloween night. Um, of course, Hubie is trying to figure it out. It ends up, um, yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. Not that mm-hmm. there's any major twists or anything that anybody's going to be afraid of. But uh, overall, it's it's a PG thirteen movie. So I'd say it falls somewhere like across between like I don't know, Little Nicky and. The Wedding Singer, because it is a little sweeter than most yeah. of his films. Yeah, So very um, kids-oriented, I think, this time around.
0: Yeah, I think um, Steve Buscemi really stole it for me. <laughs> this is actually, um, I don't know, this is a little bit of a spoiler. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go. All right, warning, spoilers for Hubie Halloween. Um, he, This is his fourth time playing a werewolf of Steve Buscemi Um, the other three times were in the Hotel Transylvania trilogy which I haven't seen but apparently he voices a werewolf over there and he's a werewolf here Um, and I I liked him as a werewolf and I I mean again spoiler I loved his relationship with Rob Schneider
1: yeah
0: (laughs) that was a nice switch
1: so wait, before we really dive into, you know, the ins and outs of Hubie Halloween, yes. did any other, any important things I missed in my uh, synopsis there? Anybody want to mention anything?
0: Mm, not really. I mean, I guess one thing uh, besides besides the fact that they clearly are pulling from sort of Adam Sandler's filmography, specifically like the Happy Madison <laughs> movies, like you're going to see references Uh, To Happy Gilmore, and uh, like you said, a little bit of like wedding singer style, maybe. Definitely pulling from Grown Ups. We got some cast members. Well, pretty much the entire cast of Grown Ups One Mm -hmm. and Two are here, (laughs) with some notable absences, like uh, what's his name, Dana, or not Dana?
1: Oh, um, uh, Dave, David Spade. David Spade's not here,
0: Uh, but anyway, um, and Chris Rock too is not here, right? Um, but, but also I liked how he's pulling from some of like the classic horror films too. Like we've got references to Halloween a little bit with like the escaped, um, uh, mental asylum yeah. patient on Halloween night. Uh, we have some Friday the 13th, maybe psycho stuff with his relationship with his mom. And it turns out the mom is the one who's doing the killing, and then also Jaws, we have the mayor here wearing the same jacket as was worn in Jaws. So there's like fun little references peppered into horror films, as well as references and cast members yeah. from Adam Sandler's films, which is pretty fun.
1: Yeah, and sorry, I don't I want to make sure we get uh, Sarah's opinions, yeah. but the one thing I do want to mention, and this movie does it again, the the one the biggest thing I got from doing our Happy Madison podcast is that like. I'm really surprised Adam Sandler's not really milking this whole idea of cinematic universes way more. Yeah, he's kind of secretly been doing that in a bunch of his movies. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of crossovers. This one has a very direct crossover to Happy Gilmore.
0: Yeah, um, with Ben and Stiller.
1: With Ben Stiller, <laughs> reprising a great cameo there. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's got a lot of material that he could cross uh, create like. One Avengers style uh, movie out of oh, I would so, love that. So, um, but first, let's let's. Sorry, can we? Can you just give us before you talk about Hubie Halloween and your thoughts on that? Just like your background in Happy Madison movies in general. <laughs> like, are you a fan or? I mean, do uh-oh.
2: yeah. I mean, do I have a background? I I've watched most of the uh, Happy Madison. I feel like you know mo- most of the most of those uh, productions. Um, mostly, I mean, I feel like I've been watching those movies since I was a kid and many of them I haven't seen in maybe over a decade because I indeed watched them when I was like 10 and like throughout my, my teenage years. Um, but I don't know, Hubie, it was, it was fun. It was, I feel like it was everything that you would want in a Happy Madison movie, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, and I think the, the, the casting really is what does it for me, right? The, the, that he's bringing in all of these people who are essentially like best friends and have been acting in his movies forever. And you can see that. And it gives the movie kind of like this, this nice, even though Hubie is so like traumatically bullied, uh, and it is like, gets to the point of being problematic, Right. Um <laughs> yeah. like you get the sense that this was like a super fun thing to do. Um and it just feels like um, you know, the way that um that you were saying, Matt, that, that um there are all of these references to other Happy Medicine movies, it feels like um a kind of like a Halloween special um yeah. Yeah. in that whole universe, kind of like the the Simpsons Halloween episodes are. Um so that was pretty fun.
1: Yeah. I- it was genuinely funny watching adam sailor react being scared of things yes uh like the end credits i don't know i actually fun. found hilarious yeah um because oh, it, was, it was just those are beautiful yeah him like th- taking stills of him reacting hmm. um but yeah it, this was like another movie where happy Madison like movies always have this weird tone where it's almost like mean spirited at times yes.
2: <laughs> and yes.
1: but like they very casually treat this mean spiritedness like yeah they encourage bullying but they don't really address it they just he just thinks it's like funny
0: yeah yeah
1: but yeah, we feel it
0: more in Grown Ups, I think, yeah. than here because I don't know. Maybe because Adam Sandler is the one being bullied in this one, it <laughs> felt like less horrifying. Oh yeah, for some reason, because like in Grown Ups, it's like it was like a celebration of bullying
1: right, Grown Ups, right.
0: whereas here it's like it's something he had to overcome. I guess That well,
1: was part of the storyline yeah. for this
0: the other thing i noticed too in like more recent adam sandler uh happy madison movies like grown-ups one and two and hubie halloween is compared to his earlier stuff like happy gilmore and billy madison um back in the day in the in the billy madison happy gilmore films it's it's often adam sandler versus this older generation that's like very very like i don't know straight laced and trying to be very grown up and serious and then there's crazy adam sandler just having fun living his life and you know that's who you want to be like
1: if not older at least very uh the 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 establishment
0: yeah being adults yeah and but what i've noticed in these more recent ones like the grown-ups movies and then this one it's like It's often Adam Sandler versus Generation Z. Yeah. (laughs) And and he's made, like, in Adam Sandler's mind, Gen Z is now sort of establishment- figures like they're like oh you're not cool like no one likes dancing adam sandler or no one likes being silly and then he has to be like oh i'm a silly adam sandler and then oh, that's i don't know a it's good like, impression Thank there. You. <laughs> that was <That's> great, great. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah I, I find that pretty funny that even as he's aging he's finding like i don't know he's flipping the script a yeah, little bit. yeah definitely No, those
1: Gen Zers are definitely the bullies. They're big bullies in this one, too. I mean, he's got Gen Zers on his side. Some. Some.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, The kid from Stranger Things who's made me uncomfortable to see how grown up he is. (laughs) Oh my god, I know. (laughs) I like the
1: way Caitlin put it like she saw him and it's like, it's the kid from Stranger Things, but stretched out. (laughs) Someone just like stretched him.
0: (laughs) Because his face is the same. (laughs) That's what's weird. It's like his face is on a new body.
1: Yeah. I know,
2: but honestly, I was just happy to see that kid play someone who is not super traumatized sure. for three seasons. You know, like Noah Schnapp. I feel like yeah. he got, you know, he got a little break from that. Um it was like his summer break here and he just gets to play around and play the Tin Men um before he has to go back and shoot another season where maybe he's like, I don't know, possessed by another demon. I don't know. <laughs>
0: very true yeah um the other thing i just wanted to point out too with this movie um someone was bringing this up online i forget who but um back in december adam sandler was on howard stern which i didn't know was still a thing but apparently he was he was he was interviewed by howard stern in december of last year Um, Right around the time Uncut Gems came out and Adam Sandler said if he didn't win an Oscar for Uncut Gems, the next the next movie he would release that he was in would be an absolute stinker. Now, he didn't win an Oscar for Uncut Gems and Hubie Halloween is the movie he has released immediately after Uncut Gems. So folks are talking online about whether this is the stinker he promised us, even though it was filmed before he made that promise, so I don't know if this is the one or not.
1: I think Adam Sandler is just self aware of the conversation going on about him and the criticisms. Unfounded criticisms. I think people pick on Adam Sandler unnecessarily. So when he says stinker, I think he just meant happy Madison movie in general. (laughs) Because people but I think I think the tides are turning in general. Conversations I'm seeing are starting Mm -hmm. there are now Adam Sandler apologists. Yeah. And I don't even want to call ourselves apologists, by the way. No, we Because I think been we've there. always supported yeah. and Happy Madison
0: movies. The good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. Yeah. We
1: never, I mean, you were always a Jack and Jill fan, uh, unironically.
0: Yeah, I totally oh, no. do. I find Jack and Jill to be very funny. Yeah.
1: And I'm with you. And I, I do strongly feel that these, the quality of these movies were not that much worse than. Um, you know the the golden age of Happy Madison, if you want to call it that, but sure. like the Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison, which technically actually weren't Happy Madison movies because they didn't mm-hmm. the production studio exist at that. But that that idea of it, yeah. But like Grandma's Boy, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's about this is like the mm-hmm. same type of quality, you know? Sure.
0: I I mean I don't know. I feel like that's because this one is clearly meant for families. I yeah, guess so. Yeah. It's, it's a just different like a PG thirteen,
1: you know? Yeah. Uh, like, veneer over everything
0: yeah the only thing i've seen people complain about is the scene uh with shaquille o'neal <laughs> he's got the woman's voice for um for his like radio show and then the like it's a girlfriend or well
1: wi- yeah it's a wife. girlfriend
0: or a wife or something with a man's voice so i saw some complaints out there um just that it's like an old joke about like i don't know some talk about like transgender issues and whether this is problematic for that reason but then i saw a lot of people saying like no this isn't this isn't offensive to the trans community in fact it's just like an old joke that's really played out and sort of dumb at this point which i guess i could agree with but i don't know shaquille o'neal's so funny he's he's got really good comedic timing i feel like
1: that it makes it
0: fine to me
2: (laughs) yeah i mean i was i was gonna say like I didn't feel that there was anything super problematic about this movie. Like I was, I was watching it and I, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. Like I, it was, it was fun again. Yeah. Super played out trope, but yeah. it's Shaquille <laughs> O'Neal, um, yeah. which I think, which I think always works. Yeah. I think that, I don't know. I like Adam Sandler a lot, but I'm also super aware of this, you know, divide between uh, Adam Sandler. You know, lovers and haters. Mm. Uh, personally, I love him in uh, more serious roles too. Like Punch Drunk Love is mm. such a good movie, um, and yeah, it's that's you one know, of Matt's
1: favorites. Yeah, one of my favorites. It, it's
2: so it's so good, and it features this you know this you know white guy who's like going through this m- essentially like a midlife crisis, and it's not. It's not bad, you know, and it's not (laughs) problematic because, like, usually those movies will be, will have something that we can complain about. Um, But, like, and uh, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong because you, you guys are the the Happy Medicine uh, (laughs) experts. But I feel like Adam Sandler's brand of comedy is he knows where the line is, right, Mm -hmm. between funny and then just becoming ridiculous and, you know where where he risks losing his audience and he goes up to the line he like dances on top of the line and then he steps over the line yeah um right and I feel like there were several moments in Hubie uh where I was like okay you just stepped over the line and I felt like the Mm -hmm. Shaquille O'Neal moment was one of those where it was it was pretty funny the whole like that whole moment was pretty funny then Shaquille O'Neal's girlfriend Uh, shows up with the really, you know, the really raspy voice and then you're like, oh, you've crossed the line into that territory (laughs) where it's just ridiculous now. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I do feel like, you know, Adam Sandler does have a naivete about him that it seems like there is like this innocence where Yeah, he's not malicious about it. He's not trying to say anything. It's not like we just happened to watch Bill Burr on Saturday Night Live give a monologue where he's making these hacky jokes about cancel culture. I don't think Adam Sandler is trying to comment. (laughs) Uh, Adam Sandler's is not trying to do that. He's not trying to say this. He's just trying to, like, this is just him being goofy and Mm -hmm. in the way he knows how, and he means nothing by it. And sometimes, yes, it is just, Mm -hmm. like, not, you know what some people would consider woke
0: yeah but especially like i keep going back doesn't mean it sorry (laughs) i keep going back to to grown-ups because i feel like in grown-ups we definitely get into the the trans transphobic territory a few times in some grown-ups scenes um, and I think Adam Sandler sort of has a history of finding it very funny to see a man dressed in women's clothes and, and like sort of vice versa as well. Like he finds this hilarious or like very muscular women. is mm-hmm. or That's hilarious to Adam Sandler. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, he definitely gets into those territories. That gets pretty cringy to watch.
1: Right. But I think you know what Sarah was kind of saying that he knows how to take it like yeah. a little extra farther to know that it is just hilarious. So if, if, if it wasn't Shaq, if it was like Nick Swartzen in that role, <laughs> yes. who it would totally be someone who would be, yes. in that role, that probably wouldn't be funny. That might just be offensive, but mm-hmm. because it was Shaq, because the, you know, duality yeah, of yeah. that situation was so big. Uh, I think that's right. comedy. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But,
2: yeah, I think that there's something to be said about, you know, uh, movies taking themselves seriously or knowing it, whether they're being serious about something or not. Um, and personally, for me, movies that take themselves too seriously, like Event Horizon, by the way, like, <laughs> they tend to be just so absurd and funny to me. Um, <laughs> but I feel like with Adam Sandler, with his work, he's... You know, there's a difference between like believing the joke, right? Um, And just playing out the joke um, without, um, you know, without actually believing that that'll carry any weight, you know? And I think that Adam Sandler is not, when he's making those jokes, he's not placing, you know, he's not making this joke because he hates like trans women or something, right? right? It's just because he finds this particular image to have to be funny in some way I right. guess right like yeah. you know he's not JK Rowling he's not a you know <laughs> yeah, he's no, not no. like we hate I hate no. trans women he's just like you know and for the longest time right he comes from like this culture where yes. these were funny images Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's kind of yeah, so yeah. I
1: don't know. Yeah, it's like he's the a stuck
0: in the nineties. It's like equivalent so a bit. to yeah. fart jokes. Okay, yeah. The yeah. level
1: of maliciousness yeah. he has on on yeah. trans is yeah. fart. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you know, yeah, just the way all these Happy Madison movies are composed, they are just like gags one after another. Yeah. Gags like mm-hmm. every, the the whole entire story is just a background just to put these right. you know moments that you know can be missed a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So, anyways. There's something to be said about someone who's able to make a whole entire storyline about uh, statutory rape (laughs) between a student and a teacher. That's my boy. That's my boy. (laughs) He made that into an actual comedy.
0: Yep. Yes, he did. (laughs) Uh, All right. right. Uh, So on that note.
1: Yeah. Do we want to move on? Any any last words from either of you? I'm good on Huey Halloween. Yeah.
0: Uh, I think it's worth the watch. Gets you in the Halloween spirit. It's not a horror movie, but it's definitely, you know, the Halloween flavor, the Halloween aesthetic.
1: Hey, Caitlin, does it make you mad that, like, people get to live in Salem and be residents of Salem? Oh,
0: it always does. It always does. (laughs) It's not fair. I know, I know, I know. And I hope they all appreciate it. As long as they all appreciate it, I feel comfortable with it. Mm. But if there's anyone living in Salem right now that doesn't like that aspect of it, then I would like them to leave and let me move in.
1: Yeah. We should find that like one church who takes it way too seriously yeah. and gets annoyed. Get out of here! <laughs> they hang, they hand out Bible pamphlets instead of candy.
0: Yeah, no, no, no,
1: no. <laughs> Not in Salem. Nope. Uh, sorry. Any last words or uh, ready to move on? Event horizon.
2: Just one more note. Um, June Squibb, absolute perfection. Um, and I have to say, Michael Chiklis. Like I'll always love that man. Anyone who can go from playing the shield to playing The Thing in uh, um, Fantastic Four to playing Hubie, I mean, he deserves some props. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Definitely>. Yes. <laughs> hey, I'll give a shout-out to Ray Liotta, too.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: oh, <laughs> oh, yes. That's a fun one, oh, too.
1: Um, and that's my boy, by the way. I don't know if you've ever watched it, but uh, oh, who am I thinking of? Uh, the consiglieri from Godfather. Why am I blanking on his name? Oh, yeah, I
0: don't but know. he's
1: got like uh, one of those, like a Michael Chicklish role, yeah, in that for some reason.
0: Yeah, <laughs> literally, understand. literally a preacher, too. Yeah, uh,
1: anyways, <laughs> uh, okay, so be Halloween, fun discussion. We yes. would consider making that an entire episode because we probably have a lot more to say, but yeah, we'll, we'll
0: move on. We'll move on. Yeah. We did almost a half hour of Heavy Halloween. Um, all right, so we're going to move on to Event Horizon, and uh, Sara has our plot summary, I believe.
2: Yeah, um, okay. So uh, in this, what is now a sci-fi horror cult film um, set in 2047, a crew is sent to rescue the Event Horizon, which is a ship that had gone missing years earlier. The movie right from the start tells us that it's the worst space disaster on record, um, which should tell you something about the tone of the movie right away. Um, and it now just appears orbiting um, around Neptune. So we quickly learn that um, the ship was running an experiment to create wormholes uh, so as to um, reduce traveling time right through the universe But um, when the crew enters um, the ship, they find that it's completely empty. Uh, There are signs of a massacre. There's just blood and guts everywhere. Um, And pretty soon the crew starts hallucinating all of these people that they know. um, uh, They might represent their biggest fears or their biggest regrets in life. Um, they also find some footage of uh, some uh, um, torture porn. That's what I'm going to call it. Um, and they figure out that the ship has been to some sort of hellish dimension um, and has brought some sort of evil force with it that has sort of possessed the ship. Um, or that's, that's what they think. Uh, the Captain Miller decides to destroy the ship. Um, but Weir, who is played by Sam Neill and was involved in the project from the get-go... Um, has been possessed and is trying to stop Miller. He wants to um, turn on the gravity drive thing that's going to allow them to um, open a wormhole um, and just take the crew with them. Um, Miller eventually uh, manages to um, destroy the ship. Um, the crew, the surviving crew members, uh, Cooper and Stark, awake um, 72 days later um the ship has been sucked sunk sucked into a black hole and the two of them have been rescued and that's sort of how the movie ends
1: nice thank you very nice i think uh that that covers everything for me yeah (laughs) one thing i kind of want to weirdly point out was they the movie definitely mentions that it was like the worst space disaster ever (laughs) but in terms of body count and i don't mean to make this kind of dark but like the Challenger explosion (laughs) seems to be a bigger disaster than that. That's true. Yeah,
0: because this was like 20-something people. Yeah, it
1: was just like lost, and I don't know. It didn't seem like a big crew, and it didn't seem like like a Jason x level disaster where sure. we saw <laughs> twenty thousand entire... people die yeah. in a space colony <laughs> i mean
2: that was right away that was one of my favorite things by the way it just sets the tone of the movie as it being this super dramatic serious thing right mm-hmm. and i'm thinking about how like we have like in real life sent ships out and never recover them right um just like exploration uh you know missions so it's like Mm, is this really the worst space disaster (laughs) maybe not um but it's cute that you think it is
1: (laughs) yeah that immediately struck me as weird. it's like why is this even a disaster it didn't seem like they just like kind of lost it
0: yeah they don't yeah yeah yeah
1: Yeah. anyways um (laughs) so jumping into reviews Mm. who wants to go first we've got some volunteers
0: yeah um i could go first this is uh just our two minute review um so for me, like I've seen this before, I actually hadn't seen it before Matt showed it to me, but I think we watched it like early on when we first met. I didn't
1: realize I showed it to you. What?
0: Yeah, maybe like our first year or two of dating, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't really remember it that well, uh, but I remember liking it. I liked it this time, but it wasn't as like incredible as I remember it, Um <laughs> the first time watching it. Um, Some of like the special effects felt a little outdated, Um, for example. And there were some moments where, I don't know, it just felt like maybe it dragged a little bit. Maybe we could do some editing here and there. Like it it felt like this time, it felt like it took a while to get into the juice of this plot for me. Um, But maybe it's because I knew where it was going this time around that I felt like a little antsy about it getting to the, the space demons Um, but I really, I mean, I do like it a lot. I think the concept is really cool. We got hell and demons up in outer space. I know, um, the writer, uh, or no, maybe it was the director. One of them, either the director or the writer pitched it by saying, it would be The Shining in Outer Space, which I think is really cool. Um, and I think uh, the gore is pretty good. We could have gotten some more gore, though. Apparently, there's a, a an original version of it that got an NC-17 rating. It was 130 minutes long and super, super graphic. But apparently, it was lost. And I love this detail. It was lost somewhere in Transylvania, and <laughs> and the director found it in 2017, but said it's it's it like does it's unusable mm-hmm. because it got destroyed in this like this place that they were holding it in Transylvania. It got warped.
1: I don't want I don't mean to interrupt, yeah. but one very specific thing about this piece of trivia you're talking yeah. about, it's largely there was a much bigger cut of
0: the orgy scene. The orgy. The blood orgy. Hell, oh, yeah.
1: like, scene. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the most stark yeah. scenes. So I could easily see why, like, a longer, more thorough cut of that mm-hmm. would have really pushed this yeah. movie into that territory.
0: And not only that, th- apparently, I was reading about it, for that orgy scene, the blood orgy or torture porn scene, he, the director hired porn stars to make it like gra- more graphic and also amputees. Um, And there were things like like apparently someone's leg, get you just watch it get hacked to pieces as they oh. walk away and all this other crazy stuff that sounded very gory. Um, but yeah, it'd be ha- sort of annoying that that's gone. Yeah. I think I would have watched a 130 minute long cut of this if, if that existed, knowing what that was. But anyway, um, I think it's a genuinely pretty unnerving concept because we have this sort of claustrophobic space whatever the spaceship in outer space there's truly nowhere to go to and you definitely feel that claustrophobia and then also just this unknowable nature of of what they're up against we never really actually get to see any demon we just see a possessed sam neil by the way shout out to sam neil because i think i love his performance in this i love how campy it gets but it still fits i think um his character as dr weir and then at the end when he's just eyeless and possessed um but yeah this whole idea of like unknowable torture turn in eternity and this version of hell that seems like even beyond the christian version of hell i think is really cool um and then yeah just the visual aesthetic of the whole thing apparently uh the director was pulling from Hieronymus Bosch and Pieter Bruegel paintings, as well as the Notre Dame Church, hmm. uh, to design the ship and everything. And, yeah, I like it.
1: Cool. Well, sorry, if you don't mind, i like to follow up with my review because there's a lot of similarities with Caitlin. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and... It's, it's funny how similar of opinions we have because yeah. I was going to say that this, of course, isn't is my first time watching Event Horizon. This might be my third time. So I watched it once before you, watched it with you, and now this time again. Mm-hmm. And I've always held it in pretty high regard in my mind. And mostly because I am absolutely fascinated with the idea of an extra-dimensional hell. Mm-hmm. And one that kind of transcends our ideas of... Uh, Evil and morality, or at least the Judeo-Christian ideas of that. But let's—I hope we talk about that in in yeah. detail uh, as we go into this podcast. However, after rewatching it, I think I, I I probably placed that too much on a pedestal, like this mythology, and I let that kind of build in my mind and let me think that this movie was better than it was. Not that I think the movie's bad, though. But like you said, I think it lags at times. I think the lore of the movie and the mythology in the movie is the best part of it um and everything else about it is kind of pretty generic for a space horror and i know that's like there's not too many out there but the ones we have seen even jason x which we covered a couple episodes ago very similar beats very similar beats to alien you know it's all very similar and I don't think the movie actually stretched out the mythology as much as I remembered it did, or when watching it now, I wanted it to do, but maybe that's good in a way because it let me really, you know, enjoy and build up this idea in my own head. So with all this said, like, I think the premise is super cool. Uh, Original, cool, something I wish more movies explored, not necessarily, you know, what, event horizon was trying to do but this this idea of this extra dimensional hell but other time yeah but otherwise it is a paul ws anderson movie and he has a long record of kind of this this type of uh i don't know low tier blockbuster type movies um including punch drunk love no.
2: Nah, I'm just kidding. Nah, I'm just nah,
1: kidding. Nah, nah. I couldn't avoid making the comparison between Paul W. S. Edison <laughs> and Paul Thomas Anderson.
0: Well, he did Mortal Kombat Yeah, he
1: did Mortal Kombat It's just funny because it's are still similarly named, but it's, oh, right it's, <laughs> but it's very evil. different. Very different uh, directors there. Um, but yeah, acting was fun. Sam Neill was camping it up. <laughs> I kind of got a lot of Nick Cage vibes from Lawrence Fishburne this movie, like Interesting. But hmm. just like a lot of shouting. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah, I have I have feelings about I have thoughts about uh, Miller there. So uh, okay. yeah, we'll have to talk about that.
1: <laughs> uh, and but you know, it's it's competent. Otherwise, the the lore makes it a worthy movie. And I do feel like that's probably why it is somewhat of a cult movie because of that lore, mm-hmm. because without it, I don't I don't really see anything too special else about this movie. Otherwise uh okay Sarah, your opinions
2: i think yeah i think uh i'm gonna be sort of like in the in the middle of the two of you i agree with a lot of what you said um i had a lot of fun watching the movie but i wouldn't necessarily call it a good movie um i i i agree the i think the concept is the coolest part about this movie this idea of this sort of Um, disembodied almost spiritual alien force that's possessing the whole ship is is really interesting and i think that it's it's a really nice move away from like you know the the creature right i know that um anderson didn't really he wanted to kind of move away from the the alien franchise a little bit and do something completely different and i think that this this is a really cool concept um but then there are other things throughout the movie um namely like exposition I think the exposition is really what made some of the scenes lag um uh, there was just too much exposition just too much talking the soundtrack oof I hope we get to talk (laughs) about the soundtrack because (laughs) that was so loud um and this movie needed to I think this movie needed to learn about silence a little bit more, Mm -hmm. uh, especially since we're, since we're in space. Um, uh, But, (laughs) but yeah, there were a few, there were a few things that were just kind of, just kind of funny. I think that ultimately it looked like there were, it was a movie that actually was two movies, right? It was a space movie. And then it was like the, the torture horror um, in like the latter half of the movie that um, as Caitlin was saying, I would have seen, I would have watched more of that. I yeah. thought that they actually should have should have had more of that footage in uh, because I also feel like it would have helped um, explain the, the the lore and the the premise of the movie a lot better because there were scenes that if you just if you're casually watching it or if you're watching it for the first time you don't really get a clear sense of okay what is this thing that's happening um, so. So I would have liked more of the gore, even though I'm not like a super gore fan, but that that was really interesting. It was very Hannibal at one point, which I appreciated. And the aesthetics, the, the aesthetics of the movie, I feel like ultimately it's aesthetics over substance here. Um, the story isn't really fleshed out, but the, the sci-fi, you know, late 90s, early 2000s aesthetic, like that was really perfectly captured so many echoes to other movies um, that I thought really worked well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. agree. All um, right. So what what do we want to tackle first about this movie? Oh, or, or, sorry, did you have a response to?
0: Well, I just wanted to jump off, and I guess we could start with that, too, just because, uh, sorry, you just said how, like, you could see sort of parallels, I guess, to other movies from that, like, early- Uh, 2000s late 90s time period one thing i meant to mention too was while watching this i was thinking a lot about hellraiser which i guess Mm -hmm. would be 87 i think so not quite in this time period but i definitely was was reminded of hellraiser in a lot of ways and i think also hellraiser sort of gets into that same Mm -hmm. like multi-dimensional hell that that matt's into but also just the aesthetic like of the um what's it called Uh, the gateway reminded me so much of the box of, of Hellraiser, just like what Hellraiser looks like. So I looked it up and apparently um, it was purposeful. It seems like this writer and director were both very intrigued and excited by being like, Oh, it's like the shining, but in space. And also we're going to pull some stuff from alien, but we're not going to do the creature. Um, And apparently (laughs) Hellraiser was one of the movies that they brought up um, while like imagining and like creating the story. Um, so much so that they got Clive Barker who wrote Hellraiser. Mm. Well, he wrote Hellbound Heart, which is the book that Hellraiser is. Oh yeah. I think he even wrote the screenplay for the Hellraiser movies, but anyway, Clive Barker was there during, um, pre-production to give, um, feedback on the actual design of the ship and sort of the demon lore and stuff like that. So it's like, it's, it's like very connected to a lot of these movies like you, you brought up.
2: um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just, just aesthetically, um, it, it fits really well with the time. Like, mm-hmm. even if, even, like, looking at the event horizon, the ship from the outside, um, you get echoes to the Nostromo um, in, in Alien, but also the Galactica in the Battlestar Galactica. You start seeing, like, um, I got super super hard uh dark city vibes um which i don't know if you guys have seen it no i haven't no it's from 1998 i it is objectively one of my favorite sci-fi movies and it's like all dystopian and it's not about space but it is about these sort of like alien beings um and it was directed by alex proyas who's also like a big sci-fi guy i i <laughs> I don't know if he directed iRobot or if he directed one of the Robocops. I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. he's been, like, his name has been, you know, in the sci-fi circle, and it's a 1998 movie. And if you, like, look at the aesthetic of both movies, like, it's it, it definitely playing on uh, on those, like, late 90s. I'm also, like, already getting a little bit of, like, the Matrix vibes, too. Yeah. Uh, with some of the, the settings when uh, Weir goes into, like, i don't i don't even remember what it was but he's like fixing some wires or something when he says his his, um dead wife um and that gave me like major like Mm -hmm. matrix vibes the the pods for staying in stasis also like you know the the womb that neo comes out of so i was just (laughs) living for it
1: (laughs) i mentioned to caitlin the soundtrack right off the bat it sounded like you know (laughs) <laughs> it sounded like the type of music Morpheus like.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh my god.
1: <laughs> um, I,
2: I hope you listen there, to that yeah. music with his headphones like i like, you know, really low volume, man. <laughs> uh, that was you rough. Know.
1: Uh, it, you know what? It, it sounded like the music that like the people of, I, don't, I forget, the, the last humans go to raves to in the Matrix. Oh, the
0: Nebuchadnezzar or whatever? Oh, yeah. yeah. They
2: all
1: rave for some reason in mm-hmm. the caves?
2: I, mean, was, I think uh, they're
1: all Guy. Indust- very industrial, gothy.
2: Whatever. I mean, that's definitely like rave music, and ap- apparently, um, Anderson is really into electronic music, and so they got <laughs> the like the electronic band Orbital mm. to score the movie with uh, Michael <laughs> Kamen and it's like, I mean, no offense to Orbital fans out there, but I would not want my life to be scored by Orbital. <laughs> Like it's no. that was so loud. Like every single scene felt so loud to me. Um and I was like I was watching the movie and I was like, "Am I the only one who's like complaining about like just <laughs> not enjoying this?" So if if you would let me, I actually found a really funny review. If you would sure. let me um read this. It's Steven Hunter. Um mm-hmm. his review right when the movie came out. And this is how he talks about the sound. If you want to have that Event Horizon experience without spending the seven bucks, try this instead. Put a bucket on your head. Have a loved one beat on it vigorously with a (laughs) wrench for a hundred minutes. Same difference, and think of the gas you'll save. The movie is very loud. It is pointlessly loud, arbitrarily loud, assaultively loud. (laughs) Um, And he goes on to say that the movie is an orchestration of things that go clang in the night, which... (laughs) Honestly, like that is exactly what it felt to me. Like sometimes it just felt like someone was like drilling holes right next to my head.
1: <laughs> I, you know what? I can't say that that happened to us because I specifically had to keep messing with the volume and yeah. turn on, mm. and Caitlin, I have this really nuanced situation with subtitles. If it were up to me, I put subtitles on everything, <laughs> but I can't, like, can't stand it. When the subtitles look bad, like mm-hmm. take oh, up a lot of the yeah. screen or whatever, these subtitles—I forget where we watched it from—but were horrible. They were like literally <laughs> half the screen, but I had to keep it on because mm-hmm. I couldn't understand anything otherwise. Because mm-hmm. probably because the music was way overblown.
2: Yeah, it, yeah, it was just—it was just so much, you know. And and like, there's a lot of shouting too. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there, there, there are no conversations. Like, n- not a lot of conversations are had. At like you know regular volume, there's no. always the need to, I, I guess, stress the urgency of the situation by screaming in people's faces. Especially uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character, who I just yeah. thought was like a really bad captain because he was just screaming at people and then saying you didn't have time to listen to them. And yeah, uh, yeah that was a that was a big thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah the the whole the vibe of this group. Like, I mean, obviously at the end, Dr. Weir clearly wasn't meant to be trusted, but they started off like everyone hated him pretty much just for being there. Like a really weird energy to begin the trip.
2: Yeah, it was it it kind of felt like it was a really antagonistic crew from the start. Right. Mm -hmm. I think I think beginning with the captain just kind of screaming at people that he didn't have time for them. (laughs) Um, And then the fact that he and Weir were constantly at odds with each other, like there was a lot of testosterone there, a lot of male ego involved, I think. Um, So that that made for a, a really weird dynamic. And I was while watching it, I couldn't help compare it to the movie Life. Uh, which is also an alien movie, but where the the crew, um, I think it's, it's the one from 2017 with Ryan Reynolds mm-hmm. and um, Jake Gyllenhaal. But like in that movie, you have a crew that kind of moves in unison and everyone gets along. And in this one, it's the complete opposite where it's just kind of like, you know, each person doing its own thing and then just not really just Information and communication just not happening very well.
1: Right. I mean, they like scanned it and they said there's some weird life form things going on. So let's go ahead and separate <laughs> everybody <laughs> go in their own direction while we actually go explore this <laughs> ship. Uh, that, that, that was a weird situation. I know like Prometheus, that movie gets a lot of crap for people like calling it bad, you know, people make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. But this was 10 times worse. Yeah.
0: This was, yeah, know? it was like they were really trying to go for like real like the worst part i guess of horror films right. where they are doing things like that i guess i don't yeah. know like the, yeah let's
2: all split up
1: that's probably why i was more forgiven because it was mm-hmm. more horror than yeah oh, at that point.
2: oh yeah i mean there were a couple of times like once once they realize that they're hallucinating right that there's no way that these people are on this ship um and uh the crew member peters dies because she's following her son who she knows is not there and it's just like what are you doing you know but it is like typical like horror trope Mm -hmm. you know just kind of following along to these things that you don't you know like she knows he's not real you know yeah so yeah
0: she's a smart person like she's
2: she is
0: she's a doctor (laughs) i think right or some sort of scientist enough to be in this trip that she should know
2: yeah, they're all supposed to be really smart, right? Yeah. Like, the the best of, you know, their own, like, specific areas. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: You know it's weird, I want to point out, that, like, in terms of mythology or the lore here, mm-hmm. everybody kind of underwent something different mm-hmm. in, in terms of being pulled or pushed in different directions. So that Peter's, uh, you know, the mom she saw basically... Her son was used as um, the bait for right. whatever, right? And, but it's sort
2: of
0: guilt too, because it seemed like he was in some sort of accident.
1: Yeah, sort of guilt, and that she just wanted to be with him. Mm-hmm. Where um, Lawrence Fishburne, Captain Miller's character, was you know purely guilt uh, mm-hmm. of a crew member, but then um, Sam Weir, uh, no Sam Neil, mm-hmm. main guy, he just gets possessed, but and he gets he gets taunted, but mm-hmm. it's not guilt
0: a little bit though, was I mean, guilt, yeah. like, committing suicide and like maybe if he was there i guess that's what they were going for like that if he was there for her he could have stopped it from happening or something
2: yeah sure i right. think that's what i got to it was weird because at one point like the way that they sort of just the way that they framed that scene too like it makes you feel like she killed herself because he wasn't there um yeah. but i think it's supposed to kind of draw on that like guilt. If only I had been there, she might not have done it. I could have stopped it. Something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. But the the movie doesn't so, okay, I, I think there is kind of this connection of guilt I was wrong about. But it doesn't show like how people get infected by this right. guilt. Yeah. It's just kind of there are at least three crew members who suffer basically nothing, right? Cooper, I know, the engineer, uh who pilot sorry, the pilot mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. DJ, the it seems like DJ was the guy who was supposed to be an android in the original script, but the <laughs> uh, but yeah, they don't suffer any any kind of psychosis whatsoever.
0: Right. Uh,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't know. Maybe and they didn't have time to like flesh out those characters a lot. Yeah. Um. But
1: but then they should have. I felt like the movie should have like kind of shown why certain people are more under the influence. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. why Sa- uh, Sam D. O. Weir can it was fully possessed and i'm kind of just making my own bridging my own connections that i don't know he's someone who's very passionate about the project so probably a little bit more Mm -hmm. like in tune with the ship which and the ship itself supposed to be this sentient evil yeah and that's why he is the possessive possessed Mm -hmm. target um but otherwise there's not even there's not a good reason why he's the one that became possessed
0: here's what i think I think it goes back to that pitch of the shining in outer space. I think he's our Jack Torrance so we mm-hmm. needed someone to like really get sucked up into this ship's desires or whatever, much like the Overlook sucks up Jack Torrance, although of course in the shining we know exactly why he gets chosen, here it's not so clear. But I also think and maybe I'm doing you always say I do more work than mm-hmm. the script does. But I was thinking, too, about the fact that he's the one who chose to come back. Like, he already survived this in the past. Like, he escaped in the past, no. right? Don't they say, like, oh, he did this before? Like, he, he was part of... Wasn't he part of the ship getting built to begin yeah, with? Yeah, he was
1: part of the ship getting built. Yeah. He's not, he escaped this big disaster. This oh, okay. non-disaster. He wasn't part of that. Because I
0: wonder if that's part of it, though. That he was part of, like, the people who designed and built this ship. No, he definitely,
1: he, he definitely was definitely yeah. He was probably the single... I think you could go as far to say he is like the actual creator of the the gravity drive, which is the most important part. So
0: maybe that's why he gets chosen to be possessed for whatever reason. I mean, that's sort of loose.
1: No, no. I think we share the same idea that that's the reason. I don't think the movie does a good job making those connections.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's like a lazy wanting to be like the shining situation.
2: Yeah, I I sort of just... um... I don't know. I got the uh, sort of mad scientist plot. Yeah. Once he gets possessed, I feel like, yeah, it's what what you were saying, Caitlin, of he was involved in the making of this gravity drive. He, I mean, he's also lost potentially like the only person he ever cared about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like he just kind of put all of his life into it, right? Like, um, I think the movie is trying to tell us that the reason he lost his wife was because he was so devoted to his work that he couldn't be there for her right again i i agree with that i think we're doing uh, we're doing more work for the script than you know the script is giving us to interpret but but that's how i've how i read it it was like he he kind of goes insane and becomes more vulnerable to being possessed
0: Yeah, and I think this is like another one of those, another movie that this feels to be connected to, or maybe the novel too, like very Frankensteinian Mm -hmm. uh, logic, sort of archaic too, because it's sort of telling us there's some areas of science where man shouldn't venture, Mm -hmm. or... Be careful of putting yourself too much into the passion and devotion of science because you lose your humanity. Uh-oh. Um, so felt a little archaic in that way. Definitely sort of Frankensteinian yeah. logic of his wife, him losing his life, his wife. Excuse I me. agree
1: with the analogy. I don't think it's archaic. I think we're well, still a lot It's, like, it's more realistic. I
0: guess, I guess, I yeah. guess. It just, I don't know. It's. I guess because this is, it's pulling so much from Western religion too. It felt weird to have science be attacked. I don't know, like that we use too much sci- science that now we're dealing well, with hell.
1: Let's let's get into this segue though of you know the hell the, sure. this version of hell and why I really liked it because this hell is not a judeo-christian hell right Mm -hmm. it's not even a hell where this is where people necessarily go to punishment Mm -hmm. and that's what i really like that it's just like a dimension where and i think i think hellraiser is the other only other closest movie that gets to this idea where it's it's evil it's pure evil it is i'm not gonna use the word chaos because we i don't know if we could assume that but I guess sort it of. It
0: feels chaotic, at least to right. our human brains.
1: It's pure evil, but not by any of our religious standards of what evil is. It's just like this much more kind of pure version of that. And then we have a dimension that is all about that. And the Denzians of this, the mm-hmm. citizens of this dimension, are like not there because they're being punished, not there because they want to. They're just there because that's what it is, mm-hmm. you know. And, and this is just kind of this world they exist in. I don't know. I, I, is that how you interpret it? Like this hell? Because that's, I don't know why that excites me so much. <laughs> um, I guess it, I guess because I really like it when there is kind of this step away from Judeo-Christian's uh, mm-hmm. viewpoints of hell, but also you know, adding in the fact that it is a extra-dimensional version of something is a fun thought experiment, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, thoughts?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I, I like it too. I guess it's, uh, I, I mean, I, yeah, I agree that I think it's cool and I like it in Hellraiser too. And uh, I think that's sort of that unknown aspect that I think works really well, that it's, it's using ideas like the concept of hell the concept of evil using sort of these concepts that everyone gets and knows and we have sort of this baseline for but then making it unknowable or making it like oh you only know a fraction of what evil or what pain means Hmm. um so i think that works pretty well
2: yeah it's interesting that um the movie does seem to have that sort of moralistic bent where it's telling us some you know some worlds some things we are just not we shouldn't know but then the evil that it presents to us it's just it it is just pure evil right there's no there doesn't seem to be any morality to it because you know DJ we don't know that he was guilty of anything um because we didn't see it we didn't see him get possessed he was just you know a victim um, and Justin too right um, he just gets kind of momentarily sucked in and um, suddenly he's just um, tormented by it so it just feels like pure evil without any sort of like ethical judgment on you know who gets who who's taken into that dimension which I think is is really interesting and I like this idea of um, this idea of this hellish, Dimension as being an actual physical world that exists right. out there, right? Rather yeah. than this spiritual, um, the spiritual space that you might end up in once you die,
1: right? Yeah, it's a lot like, um, you know, Caitlin, you mentioned they took inspiration from Bosch paintings, and yeah. I love looking mm-hmm. at Bosch mm-hmm. stuff <laughs> because it is that it is like a whole world where you know it is, it is not just chaos it does seem to be like some sort of society mm-hmm. around it or at least you know an env- a landscape of it and right. not just this metaphysical version idea of that
0: yeah yeah and i like to um uh well oh i wanted to bring up that scene that you brought up the justin scene where he i thought that was so nasty <laughs> um, when he's like in the what is that called the depressurization or oh, whatever? Oh, yeah. yeah, veins all stick out. That yeah. I thought that scene alone was just yeah. very well done.
1: That was actually a good sci-fi scene and yes. not a good horror scene. I yes,
0: mean, with uh, um with Lawrence Fishburne having to come and rescue him, yeah. I thought that was very cool. Oh, and I remember the other thing I was going to say too is that um I think Bosch does this a little bit, but also going back to Clive Barker and Hellraiser. This mixture of pain and pleasure in their concept of hell, which I think is a little bit emboshed too, absolutely. Um, and how that comes across too, specifically in the blood orgy scene, yeah. that it's like this mixture of pleasure and pain, and and sort of delighting in in going to hell and and that tor- that sort of exquisite torture. Um, and Doctor Weir when he's possessed, it's sort of like he's hungry for it almost and yeah. i guess he is possessed but even before horny. that yeah <laughs> even like before that yeah like sam Neil really wants this to happen he's like let me on the ship and lawrence Fishburne's like no we need to get on the ship and make sure it's good for you to come on and then you can come on he's like oh i want to get on the ship now though um so yeah I, I thought that that's that's an important part of this whole sort of version of hell i guess too
2: yeah, one really cool line, I have to say, is when, uh, when we're is like, you know, where we're going, we don't like, you don't need eyes to see or something. Yeah, yeah. That was a cool, like, that was a pretty cool <laughs> line, right? Yeah. But I, I think that it also plays into this idea of morality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, The the old adage that the eyes are the windows to the soul oh. um that you know it's it's a new it's it's a way of seeing that is beyond um beyond biological right it's mm-hmm. seeing into this new world this new um dimension right and uh, it's interesting because uh we're he like cuts up his face, but he still has his eyes at the end, they think, but the original captain of the ship, like he actually pulls it out and you see him mm-hmm. holding his eyes and he's so happy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which is really interesting because then the message that they get is, you know, like, you know, to, to save yourselves from hell, but he's like really loving it. Um, <laughs> so I think it plays really into this idea of, of pain and, and, and pleasure, right. The torture and the pleasure yeah. of it. He both hates and loves uh, this, um, you know, all of this torture that he's going through.
1: Yeah, totally, mm-hmm. totally see that. Um, so we probably spent too much time talking about Hubie Halloween. <laughs> uh, we could t- spend one more topic if there's anything someone wants to bring up before we s- start wrapping up, just to keep on uh, general time. Um, um,
0: um. Oh something, because we were talking about earlier how optimistic this movie's logic is a little bit about how this was the worst disaster ever. (laughs) Uh, Something else they were pretty optimistic about looking into the future. Um, They each have their little flags on their suits. Um, The Mm -hmm. British characters, they have Um, uh, European Union flags with 22 stars. Yikes, sorry that didn't happen for England. (laughs) Um, And then the other one is that um, Sam Neill, and this was Sam Neill himself who requested this, um, his Australian flag is modified so that instead of having the Union Jack on it, it's the Aboriginal flag for Australia. Mm-hmm. So they just have like a, just a, I don't know. I wanted to give that a little shout out, just like a more gen- generally, opti- more optimistic view of the future, despite this being a hell demon space mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> it just seems like a better earth that they're living in.
1: Well, S- Sarah, you probably know this better, like a sci-fi... <laughs> I don't want to say trope, but like, in order to achieve space travel, we generally need Earth to be united on a more, I guess, you know, across on an international front. That's
2: yeah, true. I mean, I think, well, that's actually a trope that I feel um, oscillates a little bit with, um, I think, with the decades, right? Because this is clearly no long like this this world clearly has stopped thinking about the Cold War that, you know, had just ended a few years ago, for sure, right? Because if you if we think about some of some of the the a lot of sci-fi movies that are about like space travel and colonization, a lot of them are very like American centric. Um because they're all about this kind of like this idea of um American exceptional exceptionalism. And here it's interesting to see that we actually have this um, united effort, right? It's a global um, uh, kind of, you know, it's the whole world is, you know, looking to the stars and trying to achieve this great thing, right? Which I think I agree with Caitlin. It's 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 much more optimistic, I think, uh, than uh, the world that we're looking at right now. <laughs> um, I don't think that in twenty forty seven we're going to have that type of uh, sort of cohesion right um it's also i mean it's present also in arrival uh we see that a lot too uh to an extent which is really interesting um but yeah but i like it i um because matt mentioned nick cage earlier (laughs) i just wanted to say i just wanted to to point to a funny thing in the movie which is at one point they talk about magnetic boots yes Um, are those oh. the same magnetic boots that Nick Cage wore um in face off? In oh, when he was in prison
0: universe? You
2: know what? I know. Um, I think <laughs> it's totally random, but I loved it. and it and it was it was beautiful, I think, and we I, I agree with Matt. We definitely get a little bit of like um Nick Cage craziness in a couple of the characters. Which just tells me that, you know, this director was paying attention to Nick Cage and eventually we might get a (laughs) Paul Anderson, Nick Cage, um, you know, uh, film, which I think would be pretty fun. I think so, too.
1: I mean these are the types of film Nick Cage has been doing as of recent to make up for his taxes or whatever. Like
2: Nick Cage in space. Wouldn't that be awesome? I would pay to see that movie.
0: Me too. I'm mad. He didn't make it into Event horizon. He could have been any, literally any of these characters could have been Nicholas Cage.
2: By the way, I just wanted to also say that this movie might've never happened because apparently Paul Anderson got offered X-Men and so if he had chosen to do X-Men, I don't know what, what his X-Men would have looked like, mm-hmm. but this movie might have never happened. Uh, and, you know, we would be missing out on this cult sci-fi horror, you <laughs> know? Um, so.
1: Um, yeah. uh, pretty- well, I, actually, I have high opinions of the first two X-Men movies, so I'm glad he didn't do that because I don't think he <laughs> has the chops to make a, 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 a good movie. I mean, I don't think
2: oh so... God. He's he's definitely a, a director who knows the genre. He knows what's he he knows the kind of like what kind of bl- like blockbuster science fiction is supposed to look like, which I think really helped with the aesthetic of the movie. But once you start looking at the movies that he's made, it's pretty clear he's just trying to give his wife Mila Jovovich more you know more parts. Yeah, uh, I love all of the awesome. Resident Evil movies yeah. and. I don't know. He also, like, directed The Three Musketeers with Logan Lerman. I, I which
0: Interesting. And
2: Pompeii with Kit Harington, which just, like, blows my mind. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's a weird, you know, kind of shift for this director. Yeah.
0: Weird. Yeah, I was going to say that it seems like his aesthetic is, like, sci-fi industrial metal. Yeah. But I guess <laughs> yeah. there's some that fall outside of that.
1: Yeah, he's like, uh, I don't know influenced heavily by Linkin Park
0: yeah you know? yeah <laughs> yes
1: uh, we actually tried to watch like one of the second like the second Resident Evil and I, I clearly saw this influence this uh, industrial thing going mm-hmm. on and I had to one of the few movies I had to turn off. <laughs> <relatively. laughs> like, this was bad I like the
0: first one but I also see how it's not like a technically not technically a good movie yeah. but I really yeah. like the first one
1: All right, so back at the matter at hand, I think uh, we probably should wrap up. Yeah. So let's just all share some final thoughts and then a rating.
0: Out of what? Out of 10?
1: Uh-huh.
2: Eyeballs?
0: Eyeballs?
2: (laughs) (laughs) There we go. We're in sync.
0: perfect. Go ahead, Caitlin. All right. Um, well, I I like it. Lots of fun. Um, I also didn't get a chance to say this, but just a little, little shout out to Adam Wingard, who I'm a big fan of. He's done Your Next, VHS, The Guest, the 2016 Blair Witch, which I still haven't seen. Mm-hmm. But now that I know it's Adam Wingard, I really want to see it. Um, But apparently he's currently developing a television series based on Event Horizon. It currently has no release date, but very excited to see Adam Wingard's name attached to that. Um, So, yeah, I wanted to give that a little shout out to maybe put it in the universe, maybe make it happen a little faster. Um, I'm going to give this one (laughs) uh, probably similar to our last movie. Um, So I'll give it like a 7.5. Out of 10 eyeballs.
1: Alright. Pretty solid.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Alright. Uh, we'll keep it in the order of when we did our uh, summary. So I'll go next. I think I really am fascinated with the underlying premise of the movie and the extra dimensional hell. I think the movie is unfortunately buoyed quite a lot by that. At least from my from my mind. And the rest of the movie is... Uh, I, I guess really the best way to describe it is very much a Paul W.S. Anderson movie, <laughs> if you've seen the rest of it. Just a little, like, a little awkward in this, like, stylistic choice. I shouldn't say awkward because at least he has a vision. And yeah. It's his preference, but, you know, uh, I find it to be a little bit sophomoric, I guess. Oh, my. Uh, <laughs> <I don't laughs> see, where, oh, Kaylin's eyes look. So <laughs> awesome. Um, and other than that though, it is like a little generic too in terms of the beats. Um, I just wish if I wanted, you know, for a really, really good movie, I think they needed to flesh out more of the lore a little bit and, and dive deeper into like the characters and, and make better bridges and connections of why of how the lore affects them and and then the current events of the movie. So without all that there. I I have a hard time saying this movie giving this movie a really good rating, um, but again, I, I just really wish someone else took the mantle. Uh, maybe Anna Wingard can do it. Uh, I don't I don't see this being episodic though as a television show. Yeah,
0: I don't I don't understand I don't, yeah. what he's going to do with it, but
1: <laughs> yeah, but uh, so it is going to be uh, on, on the uh, uh, median side of the scores. I'm going to give it like a five point. You know what? Six point two. Eyeballs, out of ten eyeballs for me.
2: <laughs> Pretty good.
1: Yeah. Okay, Sarah, your final thoughts.
2: Okay, so I I'm gonna take the middle ground here. I think um, it rating these things it's 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 really hard. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. It was it's such a trippy movie. I don't think execution wise it works super well. Again, like concept, super. Super interesting, but then there's just a lot that's you know just kind of box it down um for me, but it w- it was I had fun just kind of laughing at a couple of moments. it was truly enjoyable, so I'm gonna go with a seven eyeballs out of ten, okay. mostly because of my enjoyment of watching it,
1: okay, keeping it just like you promised at the beginning, right down yeah right in the middle. Down the middle. <laughs> Okay, Perfect. so that sums up our um, episode on Event Horizon. Caitlin, any last things
0: Um, just uh. Thanks to our guest, Sarah. And uh, Sarah, where can people find you online if you want them to find you? <laughs> that is. I,
2: yeah, uh, feel free to find me on uh, Twitter. I actually have a couple of accounts on there. Uh, my official academic Twitter, which is basically where I talk about all of my teaching and my weird research on clones and zombies is at Sarah Starbuck. And then my other, um, what I call my alt Twitter account, mm-hmm. where I'm just a real human being. That's wow. the um, that's at at other Starbucks. Um, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> By the way, not a Starbucks reference, but a Battlestar Galactica reference. Okay, that's important.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I caught that one. <laughs> Thank Can you. back off or something.
2: I mean, yeah. Well. Yes, Catherine Reyes in the new, um, in the most recent uh, Galactica, uh, but also the character already existed in the original, and yeah. it was actually a male character. So that w- that's interesting.
0: Nice. Very
1: interesting. Nice addition there.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Thanks again for joining us. And um, thank
1: you. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, good. Uh, well, I don't want to say hot takes because it seems like it's more medium takes. Between medium them, so <laughs> yeah. Much appreciated, nonetheless. Yes
0: um and what else our next episode we know what our next episode will be we're going to be covering a new movie fairly new movie 2017 i think a release in 2017 mm-hmm. called the endless uh it's an indie movie the only thing i know about it is what i read a little <laughs> sentence summary it has to do with a ufo wait,
1: wait. i don't want to hear i don't want to hear oh. I wanna oh
0: no hear never <laughs> mind um, I, I
1: know nothing about
0: it. okay well Seems like people like it online, and we're also going to have a guest for that one. Um, so I guess that's sort of become our October theme by accident, mm-hmm. which is sort of sci-fi movies with guests. <laughs> 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 so there we go, sci-fi horror with guests.
1: Should our last movie be the guest, even though it's not sci-fi? Uh,
0: Interesting. A little Maybe. sci-fi. A little sci-fi. Yeah, a little fun. Um. All right. Well, thanks again. Uh. That's it.
1: Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.